Today, it is my great pleasure to speak with Kevin Brown, who is a Maine licensed architect, a member of the National Council of Registration Boards, and a member of the American Institute of Architects. He's also a member of the U.S. Green Building Council and the Portland Society of Architecture. He lives in West Falmouth with his wife and two children. Kevin is an active member of the Falmouth Memorial Library Board of Trustees, where he's currently co-chairman of the Library Expansion Committee. You've got a finger in every organization, don't you? <laughs> I try to. I, it's, I don't attend all the meetings, but you know, I try to. It's nice joining other colleagues to communicate every once in a while. So yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty great. It seems like you have really um, made a lot of connections within the architecture community and the community at large. I've been trying. I've been trying. It's been a long pr process, but it's it's getting there. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where or where are you originally from? I grew up in eastern Pennsylvania, um, and I lived there for a little bit after I graduated from college in 1998 for about a year, and worked in a commercial firm, uh, architecture firm that did mostly colleges and schools, and realized that you know you're you're much you're much smaller when you're in a big organization like that, and was it really what I wanted to do? So. My roommate from college worked in Camden at the time, so he was like, we're looking for people. So we, I ended up moving to Camden, Maine, and uh, lived there for three years and, and worked in a you know, high-end residential firm, which was the first time I've ever worked on the residential side of things and fell in love. So. And, I haven't, you know, and I've moved south after living there for three years, but it's, it's just such a great area. That's why I enjoy it so much. Why architecture? Why did you decide that this was the way that you wanted to spend your working life? Well, you know, I didn't really know in high school. You know, I took a bunch of technical drawing classes, which were just, you know, basically drafting with pen pencil at the time. Now it's all computerized. But um, And I started out after high school, after taking three years of that technical drawing type of course, um, I went to community college because my parents wanted to make sure if they're paying for college that it's a five-year you know program. So we had to, they wanted to make sure before they spent all that money that this is something I serious, was serious about. And uh, so I went to community college for two years. Uh, I got my associate's degree in architecture, uh, and that was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, like the next town from where I grew up. And then from there, I went on to to get my um, Bachelor of Architecture in uh, in Vermont, Norwich University, and at that point, you know, going th I, at the end of the community college, I re really liked it, and you know, I really got a sense of what it was all about. Um, even though, and you really don't get a full sense, <coughs> excuse me, until you get into the real world, <laughs> and then you really understand, you know, all the stuff that you do in school is sort of, you know, dream world, but it it sets you up for what you're going to encounter in the real world. When you were growing up, what types of things did you like to do? I mean, did you like to do art? Were you interested in math or science? I was. I was more of a hands-on, more. I'm, my, I'm more of a technical person. You know, I, um, I'm not as much, and that that sort of helped my decision when I was looking at schools. There was a lot of schools that were more art-related, than there were more that were more technical, and um, I've always been sort of a hands-on, sort of under, trying to understand how it works. You know, it was either architecture or engineering was the other other thought that I would go into. Um, 
but that, that's kind of sort of my, and I think it goes back to my, my grandfather was the same way. He used to be a drafter, and my mom shared some of those drawings as, as I was growing up, you know, old steam engines he would draw and stuff like that. So, But as, as I went along, I realized it was the right profession and, you know, track for life. I like that your parents wanted to make sure that you were certain. Yeah. <laughs> as the as the yeah, parent of a couple yeah. of college ch- age children, yeah. I'm I'm I w- I'm very interested in getting a good yeah. um, return on investment. Oh sure, yeah, and it's it's much cheaper to do a community college, and the community college was really a, a great professor that ran the architecture program and made a world of difference. So you said that you started doing. Um, basically home building, home architectural mm-hmm. design when you came up to Maine. What were you doing before you did that? It was a commercial firm that there was probably 30 people, but we did, we had a lot of uh, universities that we did work for, and we did sort of field houses. They, they also did medical, like hospital, smaller hospital additions and things like that. So at, the po- at that point, I was low man on a totem pole, just fresh out of school, and I actually interned, I think, the summer before I graduated with the same firm, and you get little pieces of the puzzle. You know, you don't, no one gets to jump right in full two feet after college. You have to work your way up, and and I felt like it would be a much longer progress, a procession to do that in a larger firm, where going to residential, you jump in and you're doing all aspects of, of a project. Um, it's a little scary at first, and uh, it, it took a little getting used to, but it was a great learning experience, you know, learning that way. So if you're working on, say, a hospital project or a healthcare facility, what what aspect of that would they give you to work on? Um, probably, I think I think what I was working on, I did, some, I did a lot of models, actually, which I really enjoy, and I've always liked building things. Uh, and... Um, I did a lot of models for, as I was, and that's, I tend to give the fresh out of school kids uh, that to do. So I did models for like interiors of the spaces, and um, I did an outside model for like a field house at Susquehanna University at the time. And uh, so those types of things were, and then other times I would just do red, what they call red lines is basically the head, the lead architect on the project would mark up drawings and you know just to make corrections and adjustments and all those things so I would pick up it's a much you don't it's kind of like just busy work you know there's not a lot of you're just shifting things and adjusting them and to what they mark it up but they do all the sort of thinking about it and then you're just sort of almost like a drafter in a way so if you're building a model you're actually building like a scale version Mm -hmm. of what something that's going to be built Exactly. So that's kind of perfect for somebody who likes hands-on stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's why I enjoyed it so much. We don't get to do that th- that much these days because it's all computer. So it's so it was it was nice doing that a lot early in, the, in my career. So, well, tell me about that. I mean, I, I think about um, I, I write a lot, mm-hmm. and I, I still like to go back and put pen on paper. There's mm-hmm. still something that's very tangible, something very satisfying about that. I, I love the sort of I can go in the computer and I can write an article for Maine Magazine mm-hmm. and I can make edits really quickly. That's sure. great. Yeah. But if I want to do any really soulful writing, I, mm-hmm. I get in there with my pen and paper. Is there something similar about it, that for an architect? Yeah, definitely. And in every project I start up, you, you can't jump onto the computer and start designing and getting your thoughts out freely. 
because you, you'll hit a roadblock right away. Um, every project I start very rough, very schematically is, you know, the first stage of a project we call a schematic design. And really, it's with trace paper, you're doing trace after trace after trace, and you're just trying to get something that, you know, feels like it flows good in terms of a floor plan and space between the spaces. And at the same time, you've got to understand what, what the mass of the house is going to look like on the outside. And sort of trying to doodle, you're doodling basically, and it's, it's very rough and it's very, you may, it may not make any sense when you look at it, you know, but you and your mind know that, you know, the, the, your pen marks mean something. Um, and then from there, you just, it gets refined and refined every time. And it's just a lot of repetitive sort of tracing and tracing over and sort of tweaking as you go along. But that's the way I, I start every project. And just to then, from there, then you, you get to a certain point where you reach, you have certain pieces of the house that seem like they work. And then to develop, to, to develop them further, you, I then start putting them into the, the computer program to, to sort of, if it's something you're tracing, you know it works, and you're going to develop it further as you, and it's just sort of a, the progress, or the, the process as you go through it. So I'm sure this sounds like a silly question, but is that why it's called drafting? Exactly. Yeah. And and you know, in the when I going through school, we didn't do anything on the computer. Um, right after I graduated is when the, you know we we did some we learned, but they wanted you to learn that way, and you did everything with pen and ink, uh, at the you know as your final drafting, but you know you used the slide rule, and um, I still have one, but I don't really use it because everything's freehand that I'm using, doing by hand. And then from there, it's, plus it, it takes up a lot of space too, to have a, the big drafting boards. And so, um, but yeah, so it's the, the drafting part of it. You have become very involved in your, not only the architectural community, because I, <laughs> at the beginning, I listed off all these different organizations mm -hmm. you're a member of, but also your, um, your own community as a member of the board of trustees of the and a co-chairman of the library expansion committee for mm -hmm. the Falmouth Library. Why has that been an interest of yours? It goes back um, probably five or six years ago. I was approached to to sort of team up with another Falmouth architect to do a facilities analysis. For the library because they were they are bursting at their seams and they wanted to expand and so we did an exercise to see what was what were the options and at the time the Falmouth was looking to build a new school but the old schools the elementary school was going to be the two of the elementary schools were going to be vacated so myself and my case the other Falmouth architect teamed up and collaborated on sort of just doing some facilities studies. And it was just really sch schematic sketches like we were talking earlier and just trying to come up with space planning ideas. Could we use this, this school or the other school that was vacant or do we build new? So that was a, an exercise that we went through over a course of months and ultimately went to a, um, a town-wide bond issue that we had to vote on. And it, it never did pass, but Years later, it's been revisited because everybody soundly said that they, the library wanted to stay on site. At the time, I wasn't on the board of trustees, but 
you know, when that the, the next people when they were trying to reorganize and go try to get this library because they ultimately still need to expand. I was approached to to join and there was a vac vacant seat on the board of trustees and they were looking to assemble the you know any new board members with people that have experience in sort of building or construction and just trying to help guide them through the next years to to get to where they need to be which they've been trying for I think 10 15 years to try to get this get the expansion going and it's exciting because now I'm able to give back to the community which I've it's it's you know I've I've tried I've been on a couple committees in town before there was a trails committee you know because I do a lot of mountain biking so it was sort of a Falmouth trails committee it, but that that got absorbed into another group so this to me is more meaningful because I can really give my expertise and help help them and as we go through this process um, but it's also nice being on the other side of the table and not actually having to do the work but actually overseeing and, and it's more of a it's commercial work, so it's it's a little dif different than I'm in my world than I'm used to in the residential end of things. Um, so it's been really exciting. It's been you know it's a lot of time commitment. We meet once a week, and it's probably an hour, hour and a half each time we meet. And um, but we're we're slowly getting through this, and then we're now we're going through the fundraising stage. So we're trying to balance the fundraising, and um, but it's it's been a good process, and it's a great committee to be a part of, and everybody. Gives a different aspect to, to the committee, so it's been it's been interesting and, and learning for me. I've enjoyed the conversations in the past that I've had with um, your fellow architects, mm -hmm. Rob Witten mm -hmm. and also Scott Simons, who yeah, he's working, yeah, who worked on the Portland Library, yeah. and um, it's an interesting it's an interesting idea for me, the idea of working on a library in particular mm -hmm. because. It it is it's got such emotional attachment. It mm. is, it's actually not unlike working on residential spaces. You know, these are going to become people's homes, and people right. become very mm -hmm. uh, attached to ideas about <coughs> what they want that to look like. But mm -hmm. a library. I remember growing up in Yarmouth. I was at the library two three times a week as a little mm -hmm. kid, dragging mm -hmm. my wheelbarrow full of books back behind me to my house. And the idea of kind of keeping it the same and yet allowing it to expand adequately to move into the next right era of use yep. that's an interesting one yeah it, it definitely is and it's been it's been great working with with Scott because he's done so many of these libraries and um, it was clear when we make when we were making the decision on, on who the architect should be you know it was clear he's his expertise in the state and and beyond you know that he was capable but it it's been a real you know I've I have to say I I live in Falmouth, but I don't attend the library a lot. So it's so to me it's under, you know listening to the the staff and understanding where libraries are going. And I've gone to a couple workshops with our committee uh, just on you know designing a new library. We went down to Boston to the Boston Public Library last year, and they had a, a all day seminar just on where the the libraries of the future and what you need to account for and its flexibility and technology and you know the everybody thought the advent of sort of the the ebook e would sort of make libraries non-existent but it's not the case from what the, the data I'm seeing from the library in Falmouth and just everybody else and what the you know these the, the library of the future is more of a community center and people come so many people work remotely and that's where 
you know, we're planning for this with, with the new Falmouth libraries, you know, just planning for that, the laptop stations, the, the technology, and, and that the challenge is we, we don't know where technology is going to go. So the biggest thing is making sure that this new facility, spending, we're just going to be spending this money on this facility, make sure it's flexible enough to adapt to the future. And we don't know what it is, but we have to make sure we make it flexible enough with the lighting and technology and all that other stuff. So it's been it's been a real you know it's a learning curve for me, but understanding what what a library really has become because it's in a town like Falmouth, you know, there's not really a, a downtown. So in a way, this you know the library being on that on that side of town where there's a lot of businesses and other things, it's people come and you know that it's it's a community center and you know they and they come and have coffee together or whatever. So it's, it's kind of exciting. And, that's, and it, when I started on the board, that was sort of what was brought to my attention. And it was really kind of exciting to be a part of that building and you know, planning for the future. And it's only going to help the real estate values, I think, and just everything. Well, Falmouth is an interesting example of um, how growth is managed and how it's managed well. Just the town in general, mm -hmm. having, right. you know, Yarmouth is just on the other side of Falmouth, yeah. so I'm in Falmouth all the time. They've, you know, there's obviously been a business boom, but there's great sidewalks that have been put in, mm -hmm. it, which, which I think the businesses at the time weren't that excited right, along right, Route 1. Right. But it's so great now to see people running mm. on the sidewalks yeah. down Route 1. And you're right, the library is tucked back behind, you know, a mm -hmm. bunch of different businesses that, you know, I don't know. They came into being, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years ago. Right. But it's still, there's still enough of a town feel to it. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. And I think they're trying to, they've done extensive work, especially on Route 1, I think, which you're referring to, to make it more of a community walkable, very pedestrian friendly. And we've been, we're in a way that, that sort of master plan that they have on Route 1 stretches up to the, to the library in a way, so we're trying to sort of make that pedestrian connection as well with the new design and bike racks and sort of pedestrian crosswalks and things like that. The town also wants us to, to put parking and you know so, uh, you know keeping the building closer to the to the setbacks just to give you that more of a community feel. And so I think overall they're zone they're changing their zoning to, to sort of make it more of a, a community like that. Um, they're even talking about out by where I live in West Falmouth, out along Route 100, putting sidewalks, and you know, in the, in the next couple of years, and it's pretty. You know, they're trying to build that part of the, the business center of, of Falmouth, just making more more business friendly and more pedestrian friendly at the same time. Yeah, I think that that's actually one of the my favorite things that has happened to my town and to mm. places like Falmouth is mm -hmm. just the recognition that people will use the side of the road if they feel safe. Mm -hmm. You know, they will walk, they'll mm -hmm. bike, they'll bring their kids out there. Mm -hmm. And so and so it's not just put a put a nice building somewhere. It's right. make that building accessible right. and make it kind of human friendly. Mm -hmm. So you talk about being human friendly and maybe also earth friendly. You are a member of the U.S. Green Building Council. Talk about what that has meant to you as far as um, perhaps your approaches to mm -hmm. architectural design. When I started out in my own practice um, seven years ago, um, my my big goal was at the, t the time I was we were I've done a lot of high end residential over the years, but we never really paid too close attention to. And at the time, it wasn't a big you know, the energy wasn't as big of a discussion point as it is now. 
but we built these huge houses, but we never really paid close attention to the building envelope, which is the perimeter of the house that's insulated and air sealed and all those things. And so, I, you know, as I developed my own practice, I was I could take it anywhere I wanted, and that was kind of the goal was to to learn and just school myself. And I'm still learning. There's so much out there, all these new wall systems to use, and just trying to build a better energy efficient house that you don't have to heat or cool as much because the the shell of the building you you spend you know you spend time detailing and um, you, you know I tell clients that if they're going to spend money to make sure that they spend a little extra in the building shell just because it'll be more comfortable over time and it's going to save them over time. They may pay a little bit more up front, but I think over time it's, it's a much more comfortable house to live in. And have you seen an increased awareness of energy efficiency and maybe perhaps even more willingness to spend money in this area? Definitely. And I, and I think the, the products that you use have come down you know, every, every when the green word came out, everybody was flocking to. And I don't like using the word. I like to use good design. It's really what it's about. It's good design and things that you learn about in school and you know some of the seminars you go to. It's just detailing the house and it's good design and just doing it the right way and paying attention to how water sheds off the house. But I think there definitely is more awareness. I know when I, you know, it's each project's you know determined by the the client and yes we've got a, we've had a few clients that you know they push to push the envelope basically to try to get this energy efficiency you know we size glazing based on the or solar orientation and things like that but it's not every client and some people bring it up but at the same time they may have heard bits and pieces but they don't understand the 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 whole big picture and so it's sort of helpful for us to help educate those people and just sort of make them understand a little bit more what it's all about and the, some of the things that would, would help and not cost a lot of money. It's just window placement and, you know, insulation. And so it, it's it's definitely becoming more, I'm getting more and more projects where people are aware and want to push, push things a little further than others. But then, you know, and then there's other people that don't necessarily know about it. But we always, our typical set of drawings and details is, you know, it's 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 better than standard code. You know, we always like to do things a little bit better and detail it out in a way where it's not just a, a spec house that's thrown up or something like that. You and your wife will be um, renting an RV for two weeks <laughs> and heading out west with your seven and ten year olds. Yes. How do you think that might inspire you in your architectural um, daily work? I think it would, you know, I've never really explored much of sort of the Colorado, Utah, Wyoming area. So I think just seeing the architecture, um, I've seen a bunch of images and magazines and websites and things like that. So I think every time I see something unique and a new architecture sort of creation, I always take pictures of it. So, and it's just inspiration and help, you know, and everything, you know, just sort of integrating, you know, a little bit of the West maybe into some of the stuff that I might do here. You know, there's definitely a certain things that you see in certain parts of the country and, but, you know, there's nothing to say you can't integrate some of those elements. But, so it, I, I'm always been one that the, the nature, the scenery and sort of, it just excites me. Kevin, how can people find out about the work that you do and the designs that you 
are currently working on and maybe the work that you're doing with Falmouth? Um, yes, I have a, a website um, that, I, that I have at kevinbrownarchitecture.com and you know, it hasn't been, I haven't been good about updating it in the last year, but my Facebook page is the most up-to-date and I have an Instagram account that I, uh, I update pretty frequently with um, construction of current projects and uh, sketches or you know, anything that we might be working on or just interior things. For, you know, and, and it's all at a different level. We have a lot of different projects at different stages right now, so it's a little bit of all that. And so I would say between those those pieces, it's probably the best way to find find out what we're doing. The other thing is I've been trying to, even in around the greater Portland area, we have a, that's most of our work, and you know we put signs out in some of the construction projects just so people can see, you know, some of the stuff that we're doing. Well, I appreciate your taking the time to come in and talk to me today about the work that you do. I'm excited to see what happens with the Falmouth Memorial Library. Mm, I love yeah, libraries, <laughs> so it'll be great to see yeah. on the other side of it how you guys, where you guys go with that. Yes. Um, we've been speaking with Kevin Brown, who's a main licensed architect and member, um, owner of his own firm and member of the Falmouth Memorial Library Board of Trustees, where he's currently the co-chairman of the Library Expansion Committee. Thanks for the work that you're doing, and thanks for coming in and talking to me today. Thank you for having me.